Say, what's that? That's a radio, boy. Yeah, what's it do? Don't you know what a radio is, boy? Well, sure, but I've never seen one like that before. No one ever saw one quite like that. Because that's a very special sort of radio. Oh, this is kind of, I feel like this is a mega late show morning show. Like, you know, it's a little bit early. Have some coffee. <laughs> Perfect. Don't get too excited. Kind of keep it yeah, low. a few morning shows recently. Yeah, we have. All right. Hey, welcome back to the mega late show. Episode number I'm mega. Yo, this is late. That's right. And the mega late show is a weekly hip hop, Tokyo and dope creative culture podcast. Every week we are bringing you dope artists, persons, things, and happenings that are happening here in tokyo and um, we've got a show calendar which curates uh, which which late curates that basically lets you know everything that's going on when where what why how and all those things and how you, much yeah and if you've been paying attention to those things you'll know that our guest is back in tokyo again and doing some dope shows our guest is a super talented producer pianist composer who has been releasing incredible projects for over two decades now working with the likes of jill scott Lauren Hill, Sheila E., Cy Smith, Illa J., Blue, and friend of the show, John Robinson. Shout out to John Robinson of the criminally underrated Signs of Life hip-hop crew, by the way. And um, hot off the release of his 2017 album, Live at the Blue Well in Los Angeles, we have the one and only Mark DeClivelo. And I'll put an applause drop on that, Mark. Thanks for <laughs> joining us. What up, man? Chilling, dude. Thanks for coming through to the studio this morning. Of course. Good to see you back in Tokyo again. It's I think good to be here, man. I think the last time we saw you was at Speakeasy. Yeah, that's right. Earlier, earlier this year. That was this year? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I thought it no, was last maybe year. Not. I mean, I, 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 don't know. Maybe I don't know. Maybe November? Yeah, I'm not exactly sure. But yeah, uh, that's, like that was that. this year, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah enough, you, pretty much. It's the <laughs> fiscal year. But um, yeah, man, that was a really dope set. And uh, you, I think he probably had the most equipment set up at speakeasy all time maybe oh for sure yeah he had he had the whole <laughs> setup there and that was really good i thought you were just going to maybe be doing then all DJ the djs set. put together oh. yeah you dj as well right mark yeah on occasion but honestly i prefer to to play live yeah like i'd rather make records than play records i hear you yeah. that's why i didn't put dj in the description there <laughs> and how do you pronounce pianist do you say pianist or give me give me the options pianist pianist Pianist. I feel like I've heard people say pianist, and it sounds a little bit more fancy. Um, pianist. Oh, well. Pianist. I've only ever heard pianist. Okay. Oh, really? <laughs> That's what I use. That's what I use as well. But okay. Word. Um, How, was it in Japanese? I don't know. Pianisto. Pianisto. Kana? Okay. <laughs> I, always, I always refer to that when I'm thinking of foreign words. Like, how do you pronounce it? Well, what's the katakana? <laughs> okay, yeah. Put it down. You know, just add that O. And then you're good. But okay, uh, shoot, let's go ahead and talk about our sponsors, calcombs.com, where you can buy a bunch of really dope apparel and his music. And if you purchase over $30 of, of things, you can get a 25% discount using the Mega Late Show promo code, which is Mega Late Show, no spaces, lowercase, and that's great. And also, shout out to Keen of KeenWaukeen.com. He is our visual artist, designer. He designed all of our logos, and he also has the best business cards in the game. Our guy Keen. Damn. Those are pretty dope, right? 
That's like the really, the really, really dope one that I like a lot. Yeah, I mean, he has leather ones. He's got, uh, what's the other joint? I don't even know. He tried to make us some cardboard ones, but they didn't work out too well. Mm -hmm. But yeah, he's he's a really dope visual artist. And Keen has also um, been documenting the hip-hop scene community since the early and mid-90s. He submit a lot of footage for Ava DuVernay's The Good Life Cafe documentary with all of our Freestyle Fellowship, Chillin' Villain Empire guys. And so check that out. And... Ava DuVernay's newest film features the track from Mike and I from Freestyle Fellowship. So yeah, check what? that out. Very good stuff. West Coast. You And I think that's all of our sponsors, yeah? Uh, shout Do you out have to any sponsors, Harry Mark? at a Harry Sandwich Company out in Harajuku. Um, he has the best sandwiches in Tokyo. I'm there every last Friday, so I'll be there. Well, I don't know when you're hearing this, but the last Friday of the month. So go check him out and check me out and you can get some tunes and some music. Word up. All right, let's go into the temperature check. I'm going to try to get my energy up by drinking this coffee as well. I feel I feel really like we're all kind of chilling shit. What did you do last night, Mark? Were you performing? Man, I was chilling last night. It was my first night off in almost almost two weeks here. Oh, wow. So I was, you know, got to 8.30 p.m. I was like, yeah, it feels like midnight. Okay, yeah. <laughs> understandable right I hear that I hear that <laughs> and what what um what shows have you been performing since you got out here um i've only done one show actually i came out for a studio project so i've been in the studio the whole time pretty much and i did a live show um at the room on monday and i just felt like i was here in town so i wanted to play yeah absolutely yeah gotta get that out of your system right yeah man and you come to japan at least once a year right I mean, this year, this is my third time. Oh. Um, and I'm trying to be here as often as possible. You know, I have, you know, family here and, and grew up here a little bit. And it's important to me to really maintain that connection and, you know, also keep my Japanese up. Okay. Um, and just, you know, keep building here. It's like, this is my mother, my motherland, and it's, it's important to me. Absolutely, man. And I can appreciate that. Um, out here, you mentioned before we started recording that you're working on some projects out here right now? Yeah. Um, so I put together a new a new project with all Japanese musicians. It's called the Ronin Orchestra. It's like a psychedelic jazz kind of trip. Um, and there's guys from a band called Wonk and Cro-Magnon and Sleepwalker. And it's like a collective of badass Japanese musicians, basically. Oh, dope. Yeah. And you're going to be working. Are you kind of producing that? Are you like the, the head of that? Yeah, I, mean, I, I compose all the material. I'm producing it, kind of band leading it. I put it all together. But I wanted to do something that's you know, not under my own name and has more of a collective spirit to it um, and kind of builds that Japan connection more as well. Okay. And yeah. when is that? When do you think that's going to drop? We're going to drop an EP um, in spring and the album probably later on next year. Yes. And I'm looking forward to checking that live show out. Make it to that one. I'm yeah, sure man. you'll you'll do some shows out oh, here. Oh, absolutely. Them, right? Absolutely. How, how big or, is the band? Um, it's a little modular, but the last count was nine. Whoa. Oh, wow. Yeah. There we go. That's almost an orchestra. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, shoot. Uh, the name is really dope. And I guess with that, I'll segue into the temperature check segment of the podcast. Um, in hip hop, of course, everybody has really dope, unique names. Everybody uses their superhero or code names. And there are a lot of dope jazz musicians who have really dope superhero names as well. Uh, I actually say your name like I'm a West Coast gangster, Mark DeClive Lowe, when, I, when I'm talking to myself. But uh, what what type of jazz names do you think are really... Is, is there anybody's name who you think really stands out? Man. Sun Ra is I mean, Sun Ra is a pretty ill name. 
you know, and he always maintained he was from a different planet. So <laughs> he's, he's got like, the whole yeah. It's more than a superhero thing. <laughs> no, for real, for real. But man, I mean, I think the cool thing with the jazz vibe was that most cats went by their name. You know, it's like a, this is art. This is not before it was commerce. You know. Yeah. Um, but there's definitely a correlation between you know the 50s and 60s jazz cats and the you know the 80s 90s hip hop cats is definitely it was the same thing yeah like cannonball adderley totally yeah. man exactly even thelonious monk i mean monk exactly sounds, thelonious yeah. monk doesn't sound like a real name does it, it sounds like the the yeah. illest pseudonym ever right. same with like um, art blakey <laughs> mm-hmm. you know it just sounds like it sounds like there's something more special to that something magical yeah. i remember seeing like the wave and with rappers like it started seeing people seemed like people started yeah. using their real names a lot more that was a trip right when that started happening yeah. like, wait, wait what exactly <laughs> who was like kanye west? west came out yeah right. exactly and i was like oh that's his name <laughs> yeah and then you know kendrick lamar yeah. as well so who was originally k dot yeah and mm-hmm. then switched it over i prefer kendrick lamar i like that i mean it's interesting too because when you use your real name there's a certain identity associ- attachment to your to your work and at the same time, when you don't use your real name, there's a disassociation, which can actually be really helpful artistically. It's like you get to, you get to be Clark Kent during the day, yeah. you know, and Superman on stage. And also, when you go through immigration in a certain country, they don't know you're there to work because <laughs> you're Clark Kent or whatever yeah, it might right. be. You know? <laughs> oh, that's a good point. Um, but for for me at this point, like on that tip, I got to be legit everywhere because it's my name, you know. Yeah, you yeah. don't you don't have the you know the opportunity to kind of hide exactly you know who is that artist that's new i think she goes by her oh yeah and and she's it's who is that that's that's her (laughs) you know but her real name could be you know exactly vanessa de clivelo (laughs) yeah i don't don't think i don't think it is but it might be (laughs) right you know so okay i mean i've i've kind of been always using my my superhero name so when somebody even when somebody in my family calls me by like my my first name it's a little bit strange my first name is mark as well right and my my name is so common that i i couldn't be cool if i just they'd be like you google my name it's like oh there's 500 of this guy that's funny yeah Yeah. i just started because of the podcast using late a lot more and what does your mom call you well (laughs) <laughs> I'll tell you off mic, Mark the Clive. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, funny because yeah. in the in the UK, like you know, I was I was living in London for ten years. Everyone called me Mashy. That was my name, like to the point where you know someone had introduced me. Someone's like, "Oh yeah, you know Mashy." Like, and and now when I see them, it's still the same. Mm. It's like I haven't I haven't used that in ten years. Like, <laughs> where does it come from? Um, is that the name of your your yeah, like label? Yeah, Mashy Beats is okay, the label. Right. Um, the name originates from a a a a very um, indulgent taste for the herb of the earth. <laughs> All right, <laughs> nice. there's a kanji for that. Probably. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they, you, I love how they can condense things down to like a simple a simple symbol. Yeah, that's pretty dope. Yeah. My daughter's name means like the sound a flower makes, which is some type of relationship to like wow. a, a Zen koan. That's or so like Zen. That. Yeah. But but it's also like a super common name. Her name is Canon. Right. Canon. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there's probably like kanji for that, like ten of yeah. them. So. Yeah. Work. All right. Let's go back into uh, some more temperature check questions. Your favorite MCs when you're like 15, 16 years old? Man. For me, like Brand Nubian, Digital Underground, Dela, JB's, 
PE, PE and Tribe were on okay. high rotate. A lot of native tongues in there. Oh, yeah. I mean, that era, everybody was super dope. It kind of just... No, totally. Time, I mean, yeah. for me, that's like, you know, 91, 92 kind of time. And that was, you know, as we know, the golden age. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we call it. The, the last great golden age. Yeah, man. And and you had been already, uh, you know, playing piano for uh, over a decade at that point. Yes? Yeah. You started when you were around four like years four old? four years old, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Like, uh, with Tribe, they kind of introduced an entire generation to jazz music. Through, through samples totally know? and the funny thing was like I heard all this shit that I I loved what I was hearing but I didn't know that it was I didn't even know that it was samples it was just some music right mm. and then years later when I hear some you know Gene Harris or Bobby Humphreys or whoever it might be record I'm like wait wait that's that tribe joint you know and then I'll never forget the first time I heard on Digital Underground's Sex Packets album there's, an, there's a piano there's a piano man interlude and Shock G's playing piano and he's probably doing everything. And there's and he's cutting over it or someone's cutting over it. But it is the illest, 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 illest shit I'd ever heard in my life. And it's funny how that kind of is almost template for my life. It's like that was an instant mashup of, you know, hip hop and sample culture and jazz, mm. like right there. Yeah, man. How how you were fifteen then? Yeah, probably fourteen, fifteen. Was that your not first exposure, but your first kind of come to Jesus moment with <laughs> hip hop or music. I mean, it would have been around then. Um, I mean, actually, that, that that specific interlude would have was was definitely pretty monumental. Um, and brand Nubian too, for some reason, just really struck a chord with me. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, yeah, there was something powerful and kind of something special about the music. When when the first time I heard it, I was like. What are they talking about? This sounds important. <laughs> and uh, you know, I was I was younger than fifteen when I first heard Brand Nubian from like my brother-in-law. Yeah, and it was like this seems like dangerous. Like I shouldn't be listening to it, which in core of course made me want right. to pursue it even more. So I don't know what my come to Jesus quote unquote moment was with hip hop, but you mm. know, I know mine. So many. What was yours? Uh, Lil Uzi Vert. Well, there it is. <laughs> I'm a little older than that. My, yeah, my mom doesn't call me Lil, Lil, Lil whatever face. <laughs> uh, no, um, one was uh, my friend in, I think we were in middle school. He was like, yo, you have to listen to this album. It's crazy. The, the rapper's crazy. And I was like, what? He was like, yeah, yeah, his name's Eminem. And I had heard my mom talking about his uh, My Name Is song. And right. I think I heard it on the radio. And I was just like, whatever, you know. All I listened to was like, whatever my parents were playing like Tupac or usually some older stuff some Bone Thugs and Harmony whatever but he brought the CD to school and he played this track called As the World Turns mm. and it's just Eminem telling these two crazy ass stories just like super exaggerated cartoony and I was just like yo this this <laughs> is something special yeah but, uh, I, I came my other one was like uh, a decade before that then uh, when we moved into a new house, I went in the basement, and there were three CDs down there. I don't remember what one was, but two were Me Against the World and All Eyes on Me by Tupac. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I heard that intro to Me Against the World with right. like, the newscasters, I was just like... And then uh, the, the first lyrics, I mean, he has that part where he goes, A coward dies a thousand deaths, a soldier dies just once. And then he comes in, you know... They say pussy is paper and poetry power and pistols. I was like, 
man. <laughs> yeah. I wish I could condense mine down to a moment like that, but I, I feel like I have a, a few too many. Like yeah, I remember being sure. like, I had a BC Boys poster that my sister got me, and my mm-hmm. father was like, my father who was old, much older than my stepfather was like, no, nah, you ain't putting that that shit up in your room. And I was like, how come I can have Michael Jackson, but not these three, these three white guys? These, mm, you know, like I had funny. no idea what was going on. But I mean, I remember like when the Chronic came out mm. when I was like nine years old. So. Mm-hmm. It was like, yeah, here we go. This is amazing. It sounds different. So it was interesting too for me hearing a lot of that stuff. You know, I was like half Japanese growing up in New Zealand, and I'm like, you know, got fear of, fear of a black planet on high rotate and stuff like that. And and the, you know, I didn't, you know, we weren't raised understanding the the history of Black America or the current situation of Black America in, at that time, the early '90s. And you know now it's almost like hopefully it's more common knowledge than it's ever been before. But um, you know all that music is so much it's of that and it, mm-hmm. it, it narrates that experience so deeply. So it was interesting for me that for whatever reason I was yeah. super drawn to it like early. Yeah, yeah. With no with no cultural reference, you know. I think I think that's kind of one of the powers of hip hop that it speaks through color lines and and speaks to people who feel you know oppressed or lower class or disconnected or isolated it does so many things and a lot of the socio-political conditions that formed hip-hop mm. take place in other in other places i'm sure in totally. new zealand uh you know there's an underclass of people who mm-hmm. are not uh you know respected and it, yeah. probably the indigenous people so you see that and as a an empathetic sympathetic person to those peoples mm-hmm. like it speaks to you as well and you probably feel some of that too like i mean i think we all did so. not for real word up and uh let's see well, you mentioned a few native tongues uh, mm-hmm. members. Let me put you on the spot by throwing you on a desert island, and you get to pick three native tongues albums to have with you. Just three. Silence. <laughs> yeah. It's a difficult one. Um, I mean, like, are you like I a mean, Midnight Marauders guy I was about or a say, low, mid- low end theory well, guy? Like, it's hard because I think for me, Midnight Marauders is is a perfect album. But Low End kind of is a deeper album. Yeah, it's, so it's hard to choose between If I'm on a desert two, yeah. island, and then do I want to actually have two tribe records, or do I want to have something, some, some variation? Yeah, black you know? Sheep or something. You know, yeah, that that would, I, you have you know what? Yourself. I wouldn't have Black Sheep. Um, nothing against Black right. Sheep, but I mean, on a desert island yeah, in that yeah. moment, you know. They do have that one um, comedy track, What You Mean I'm Not, where he wake, he, he like wakes up from the dream and he's gangster rapping. Yeah. Woke up, yeah. didn't choke up. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd have to have, I'd have, to have um, Done by the Forces of Nature. For me, that was just a seminal moment hearing that record. So, yeah. For now, I'll go with that one. I'll go with... Oh, I'll go with the Low End Marauders. The, mi- the, the Midnight Theory. <laughs> I like how you try to put those together. Okay, okay, I'll take it. I'll take it. And then, I mean, there's got to be a Dela album. Yeah, I mean, I mean that, that's a tough one too because, yeah. you know, Three Feet was... For me, when I heard it, it was groundbreaking. It was, I mean, nothing like that had been done yeah. before, right? So, and then, but then, you know, is dead is like a whole different, different thing. Balloon mind state is like a yeah. like a more exper- like just as experimental, but maybe deeper. Yep. And then six is high. It's got all the Dilla over it. Yep, and, exactly. You know, we we actually had a conversation about De La. Like, if only one of these albums makes it into like hip hop heaven, mm-hmm. which one's it going to be? And we argued for maybe like forty five minutes about you know, who we would pick. What's funny is that none of those records are on Spotify or Apple Music. Actually, yeah. 
actually, they just became available for download, but I don't think they're on Spotify yet. But now yeah. they're available for digital download, I think, on iTunes. Just really? like last week. Well, you better be quick because yeah. Apple is shutting down yeah. those downloads next year. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, really? really? That's the word. MP3s or? No more downloads. Oh. So just the Apple, the Apple just Play streaming. or what is it called? Apple, Apple Music. Apple Music. Yeah. That's interesting. Interesting. Because, I mean, they're taking a lot of money from people from those downloads. It's no, like 60% they, they, of the... No, they're not, though. People are real. streaming, man. People are not downloading. Mm. The only people who I know who download are people who DJ. I, I was just about to say, and I me. just started. <laughs> oh, yeah. So And I started purchasing more music yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, and I mean, it's ironic because as a DJ, you're one of those people who really helps, you know, amplify the music to, to people's ears. But you are by far the minority. So when yeah. you're looking at a corporation who's got a business, you know, model, mm -hmm. it's like, well, why would we download when no one's downloading? You know, because you're part of the zero point one percent or whatever, right? Yeah, I, so. I just find it weird to not have physical, like, to own my music. I agree. Uh, yeah, you know, paying nine dollars a month to rent it. Once I canceled my Google Play subscription after mm -hmm. having it for about four months, all that music is gone. Mm -hmm. And I just, it didn't sit well with me. So I'd rather illegally download a lot of my albums and then put about $20, $30 into purchasing from artists that I, you know, respect and want to support each month. And that's yeah. basically how I do it. And even through that, like a lot of times I'm not buying physical copies of albums. I'm mm -hmm. still just paying for a Bandcamp download. I you mean, know? Bandcamp is, is the shit. I mean, that. I think also if if Apple really does follow through with no downloads, that's going to help Bandcamp for sure. You know, because there's a certain subculture of people who do want to own it, even if it, even if it's just a file. You yeah. know, <laughs> we recently had another uh, independent artist in here. You're you're an independent, mm -hmm. right? Uh, Mega Ran. Yeah. Are um, you familiar with Mega Ran? I'm not hip. Kind of a big name in the nerdcore hip hop scene. Okay. Recently made it into the Guinness Book of World Records for having the most songs related to a video game franchise. Oh, wow. Really talented, <laughs> really talented artist. Um, just a dope guy all yeah. around. Yeah. But uh, late, you want to. I think you were making a point and I interrupted you. Oh, no, it's all good. Well, when you. Um, <laughs> I do that a lot. Yeah, yeah I'm used to it. Now, uh, when you. Uh, you're talking about Bandcamp. Is that. Where, where do you get most of your income or where do you see most of your streams coming from? Spotify. Not, not, not specifically streams, but I mean streams of income. Like what's, what's more uh, well, are we talking lucrative or profitable for you? I mean, the most profitable thing is playing live. And then, I mean, put, like it's more profitable when music goes on a video game or something, but that doesn't happen every week. Right. You know, sure. Playing live can happen more often. Streaming can happen... 24 7 mm -hmm. and in royalty terms streaming is now on a par with physical product yeah i think maybe even overtaking it yeah at this well point, yeah right? it, it had i mean i've seen it overtake yeah but i know it's not the same for everyone so i'll say it's on a par uh you know just listening to independent artists and a couple podcasts as well as talking to them uh, I find that a lot of people are making the most amount of money from Bandcamp um, in terms of uh, streaming and digital sales. But again, uh, for independent artists, touring is still the number one. Way it to is, go. and then it's funny. It's like you know, you say you say you sell a T-shirt, and if you have an expensive print run or whatever, say you make nine dollars on a T-shirt, and that might be like 
10,000 plays on Spotify or something yeah. <laughs> from one T, right? So it's it's funny how it's so the scale's so different, yeah. but you kind of got to do everything now, you know? Sure. Yeah. I think we're going to see a lot a lot more changes uh over the the coming years in the way that people purchase music. Mm-hmm. Uh the music industry, the labels have found way, new ways to still be that top dog and with guys like Lear Cohen running Google and YouTube, uh the music division of YouTube, I think pretty soon it's going to be even more difficult to just listen to music off of YouTube. You're going to have to purchase that YouTube Red or whatever right, they've right. got. And so for for independent artists like yourselves, it, it's probably very important to have an outlet like Bandcamp. Yeah, Are you uh, on Bandcamp? I, yeah, definitely I'm on Bandcamp. I mean, I, 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 I do work with labels, like independent labels. Um, and I do think that even though there's this kind of, I want to say a misnomer that you don't need a label now, but you do. You need a brand partner. You need infrastructure partnership unless you happen to be that chance the rapper G. yeah chances got apple behind him right it's yeah like i mean and, quasi and, independent yeah and, and he has he has staff and you know he's he's built it to a level where his independence is actually its, its own infrastructure well i when yeah. i said that i think i'm at the beginning i think all he had was like a really really good booking agent yeah and from there yeah he like built his empire or whatever. congregation yeah, yeah. And, you know, when you get to a certain number of, you know, followers and everything, you can just drop a record with no label, no distribution, just on all the platforms and just tweet it out, you know. But you need yeah. you need the that followership first to, to be able to do a Beyonce, you know. Mm-hmm. Do you have any more temperature check questions late? Um, I did want to ask a Desert Island question. Mm. Like, uh, I love these. Three jazz albums oh Jamal the awakening miles davis my funny valentine four and more and branford marcellus crazy people music i don't think i've heard that branford and then i'd be song. pissed at you for only you take three <laughs> <laughs> we we uh they put me on the spot with like only two artists catalogs mm-hmm. that you could take like maybe two weeks ago oh, two artists catalogs well well that that's, was what they gave to me that's great yeah but i i was finding myself like I would love to have Miles Davis on there, but I think after, you know, like a, a month of trying to like crack open coconuts and fish with my, you know, a spear, I might not, I might regret that choice. I don't think so, because an artist like Miles Davis, he, you know, his early stuff is like 1950s bebop, then there's 1960s modal jazz, 1970s fusion, 1980s kind of 80s crossover stuff. He went all the way through to the stuff with Cool Modi and that. I mean, that's his, his catalog. I feel is, a lot better now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they might get off that island. Mark. If there's one catalog, that is that's the dude. I mean, no question. So you'd me. pick him if what? you if you offered me a catalog. Yeah, no question. Two, two artists, one one more than Miles and I'd take Miles and Dilla. Mark DeClivelo is a real ass cat, man. I really <laughs> like this guy a lot. He knows what he's talking about. You know, there we go. Miles Davis and Dilla. Have you heard about the new uh, Dilla bio- biopic coming out with Ving Rhames in the lead role? <laughs> <laughs> we, we were talking about, like, uh, one of the questions we ask is, if there was a biopic of an artist, who would you choose? And uh, one of the guests chose Dilla, and we are like, who would you cast as Jay Dilla? And, of course, Ving Rhames is That's funny. a buff ass <laughs> Jay Dilla. I feel like you'd want it to be somebody who's kind of towering and, you know, 
but it's not going to look like Dilla at all. Well, exactly. He wasn't a towering dude. I mean, yeah, he was a kind of unassuming, really just magical guy. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I had a uh, since we're talking about labels, I, I I figure I'll just go into the conversation uh, segment of the podcast. Uh, your your debut album that came out kind of through a label. I know you had a few releases before that that you probably did by yourself, but it came back. It came out back in the year 2000, it did. which is it seems like every couple of years is a transitional period for the music industry. What were some of the uh, challenges you faced with MP3s and just dealing with a label? Did they want to take creativity from you, or? So I was. I mean, I was really fortunate with that record. I, I released it in New Zealand first, and then I it was the rec- the album's called Six Degrees released it in New Zealand in 1999 and then I went around the world and I basically went door knocking on labels doors and different labels would be like yeah we like these three tracks or we want to take an EP or blah 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 and I didn't want to split the album up so I I did this whole kind of shopping it hand to hand trip went back to New Zealand and then I get an email from Universal Music in, in London who I didn't even hit up and they're like yeah this album just came across my desk and I want to sign it. Um, so I signed to Universal in the UK. And, you know, that that was an amazing experience. It was, you know, it was, it was still peak CD and vinyl time. Um, one track was licensed to Café Del Mar Volume 8, which sold a million copies. Oh, that's a nice little paycheck for you. <laughs> it was nice. I'm not going to lie. Um, and then... You know, the whole MP3 thing started a few years later. So with that, I, f- I feel like I was fortunate that I got to have my own music with complete creative autonomy released on a major label with a full push before digital happened. So then when digital came, I felt like my name and my music and my what I wanted to do had been already been established. And the transition... I mean, it wasn't easy, but for me, it didn't it didn't kill me. Like I saw it kill people. Like not hopefully not literally, but you know, I saw distributors go under. I saw labels go under. I saw producers just stop producing and just people quit the game. Were you in the UK at that time? I was, and the, and the the main distributor I was working with, as far as independent releases goes, they went under. They just they were not prepared for digital, because you know when it happened. CDs just disappeared. Yeah. And vinyl kind of disappeared for a second. It's like it fully took over. So if you weren't able to maneuver that, you're dead in the water. Indeed. Uh, um, now, let, let's, let's talk a little bit about that, that journey from releasing independent projects to signing with, uh, I guess, Universal then. Yeah. It was a couple years, almost several years after, after that initial release that you came out with your next record. Was um, that through the same label? No, the next one was on ABB. Yeah, out of out of uh, San Fran. Okay. And that was, you know, Universal wanted to do the next record, but I had issues with what, you know, the creative autonomy I had with the first record wasn't necessarily going to be there for the second record. Um, in hindsight, I was a bit young and dumb, and I should have just gone with it. Um, Could have just gone with it anyway. Because they did, they did say, well, who do you want to have produce it? And I was like, well, I'm going to produce it. Um, but in hindsight, if I could have said, well, I want DJ Premier to produce it, that would have been a good thing, right? Oh, yeah. Um, but I didn't know that. So 
How old are you around this time? Um, I was like three years old. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like negative seven. Yeah. No, I was... Um, I mean, when the record came out on Universal, I was 25. Okay, mostly I just wanted to see what type of like mindset you might have been at the time. Sure, you know, it's it's different making that choices as a twenty-five-year-old than it is a thirty-five or no, absolutely, a, a, a man. I mean, I mean, I was I was so headstrong and I didn't respect my A and R. Um, I was just a classic diva artist, um, and so I made the next record um, off my publishing advance, and I. I basically felt like I, I had something to prove because Universal has said, well, who's going to produce it? I'm like, well, I am. And then actually my peers even said, yo, you know, I want to produce your record and stuff. It's like, no, I'm doing it. So I worked really hard on that and um, signed it to ABB. You know, I love what ABB were doing. They had, you know, Little Brother, right. Sarah, Pevin Everett, like a whole range of stuff. Um, you know, Babu and all that lot. So they put it on the states and for me that meant a lot to have a u.s release on a on a really legit label and that kind of introduced me to america in a way that the previous record hadn't because universal america didn't pick it up like oh. canada did <laughs> japan did australia did like, everywhere it was it was released in like 14 countries but the u.s was like nah <laughs> <laughs> we're good yeah <laughs> do, do you have any idea why that why that was is it because of the climate for jazz music at the time or well, it's because the 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 it went through universal jazz in the, in the states and it wasn't jazz enough oh okay. yeah but the irony was at the same time they started a project called verve remixed and i i did a remix on the first one um along with like joe Clausel and masters at work and all sorts of people and I was saying to them, it's like, well, if you're putting this stuff out, you need to put out original artist music in the same vein. Mm -hmm. And they were like, no, we don't. <laughs> right. You know what we're doing here, the 25-year-old guy. Right. What do you know? Right. Um, so, yeah, it was that was my kind of major experience. I, I had a, actually a record out. Um, the same record that was on ABB was on Columbia in Japan. So that was cool um, to get a proper push in Japan as well. But I've I've found that project to project I've kind of you know changed my label allegiance and relationships trying to find the right kind of setup, and I think a lot of artists tend to kind of pander to what ultimately what the label wants them to do, pursuing uh, like songs that were uh, yeah or this, this worked last this, time yeah. or that kind of thing and and then when an artist comes with their whole next statement the label's like wait this is a different thing like what do we do with this. But I think the point of artistry is to make a different statement. Like, I don't want to hear anyone make the same record twice. I've already heard that record. Sure. But the industry wants you to make the same record twice. Mm -hmm. And yeah. maybe the fans think the they do too, but the fans don't know what's good for them. Right. right. A, lot of the a lot of the fans still want an you Illmatic. Make that first record yeah. over and over Yeah, and, over and that's again. why when you're DJing, the fans will come up to you and ask you to play something instead of... You know, being open to being to hearing something that they've never heard before. Mm -hmm. You know, because there's that. Well, I mean, now there's a sense of entitlement, but apart from that, the fans don't necessarily know what's best for them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I'm I'm a big fan of um, you know immediacy and and sitting and listening to the music and not having it mediated by you know my cell phone or something mm -hmm. like that. And you do like a a live remix project and. Um, is there a piece of music that you have made that 
you think particularly stands out is capturing that moment of immediacy that was just kind of everything fell into place for you in a, in a way that all your music's dope. I'll say that. So Thank you don't you, have to. But, <laughs> but, but is there one that really particularly stands out to you? I mean, I'm, I'm a f as far as liking what I do, I like everything I put out or I wouldn't put it out. Mm -hmm. um, but there is actually the opening track the introduction to my album Tides Are Rising, which is on ABB, that was, I was in the studio with this really dope drummer named Chris Bailey, and we were just playing, and it was literally, what's on the record was improvised. And to this day, it's one of my favorite things I've done. Um, I also actually, at the end of it, I had my, I sampled my son's heartbeat from his mother's womb before he was born. Wow. And so his name's Messina, so it's called Messina's World. World. Um, so that was special, you know, just from a, 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 a parental perspective. Very dope. But that is super dope. Yeah. yeah. So, but that, that kind of encapsulated a lot for me. Um, and it was funny because there, no, there was no beats, there was no sampling. It was just me and the drummer, you know, me on keys and the drummer on drums. And, and it just, it was magic. Um, and I think those kind of lightning in a bottle moments when you can capture them i mean that's you can always try and create them through production and take time to create them but when you can actually make them in the moment that's that's magic yeah yeah your uh, your music is 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 so fascinating to me because obviously you're you're composing and playing a lot of these things whereas i i, I listen to jazz music but the kind of synthesis of jazz and hip-hop a lot of times is just pulling samples now with you you're yeah. you're playing and composing these things and it's like wow where, where did that piano run come from or you know like mm. where does that where, where does that come from for you as a composer when you're listening to hip-hop music are you still wanting to use a lot of samples in in your music or you just decide to play them out i mean i i love the whole the 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 sonic aesthetic of samples and the inspiration that samples have you know like i, I remember one time chopping up um actually I heard the track in the background earlier. I'm going to out myself big time. I chopped up um, a, a big Denise Williams tune. Like, you wouldn't even know it from the track. But to be able to take those kind of fragments of sound and reconfigure them in a way which created something which was a whole new thing. I mean, that's inspirational. And I can get that same feeling playing the piano or playing with other musicians. But messing with a sample is... That's pretty special. So I, I I love that balance and you know the whole the whole approach to of like creating beats live on a gig. I love how that kind of whatever the tempo is, it kind of, that to me that's a hip hop mentality too. It might be a house vibe, it might be like a broken beat vibe, it might be whatever, it might be dubstep, but or it might be like, you know, some nineties hip hop vibe, but it's all it's all that hip hop kind of that's that's the b-boy mentality and mm -hmm. it just happens that i also spent my entire life playing keys so that's another you know color to color to paint with i was gonna say i think that's one of the appeals of seeing you live is like not just the musicality but also like you're sampling also live and it's like one of the first times i was a got to see you as an artist i think terry put uh, brooklyn terry of speakeasy put what up brooklyn terry yeah, that's <laughs> our guy superhero terry i think he put your um 
oh man what did you call that series you did three of the oh those some one takes yes yeah uh he put the mini ripperton right. one in there and it was just <laughs> incredible man that Thanks, song speaks man. to me so much your version every man, version of i it mean it's just so magical you know what's funny because like you know leon Ware wrote and produced that and you know rest in peace leon Ware. and i you know i was i was good friends with him and we collaborated a lot and we would talk about you know back in the day stuff and i was always like what was the deal with that moment because when you hear that many ribbon record and the you know the band drops out there's this high string and this amazing roads part comes in that in hip-hop culture now everyone knows right and i was like well was that composed or what was the deal so apparently it was a fully improvised moment joe sample was playing keys you know the band drops out and leon was like yeah joe just play some play some stuff there and Joe just improvised this thing that's become one of the you know paradigmatic backbones of hip hop sample culture. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing how that just ripples through so many things. Uh, you know, and and so many of the greatest producers have touched it and made it. Mm-hmm. You know, their version of Special Mad Libs version right. with mm-hmm. with with Dilla is magical. You mm-hmm. know, the Tribe version is magical. Your version is magical. And it's that beautiful kind of backward shockwave mm. that people like me get from hip hop, where you hear the sample and yeah, then yeah, yeah. it totally. ripples backwards in time, and you hear totally. the original, and you're like, "Whoa!" I was like, I thought, I really thought Pete Rock was killing it with this, but like the real <laughs> track is amazing too. That's beautiful, and it, man. And to be able yeah. to kind of, you know, take something and completely reshape it and, and make mm. it into something uh, a whole different vibe. And the way you do it now, where it's kind of like a blend of both. Mm-hmm. It's like a reinterpretation of the back of of the reinterpretation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, not 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 even that simply. It's like you know, because you you can understand it on a, a whole different level, right? And then you're also bringing the sample back into it. It's just like some really dope amalgamation yeah. of like Thanks, music. Man. Yeah. yeah, man. Like I mean, seeing a, seeing you live is an experience. A, a big Absolutely. part of that for me is like. You know, like sampling live, sampling myself, or when I'm playing with the band, sampling the the sax player or the vocalist, and flipping that. It's about creating the needle drop. You know, when when hip hop producers would sample records, they talk about the need the needle drop. And I mean, Tip is the king of this shit. Like oh, yeah. Tip would just like put the needle on a record, and that would be the sample. Yeah. Like he had this magic touch. Yeah. But to be able to actually create that moment from nothing. And then sample that and then create something that's what it's about for me yeah and um you excel at that ability <laughs> sir um i did have a, a question for you that comes from a friend of the show named uh, matt horowitz who's a writer and he interviews with his website um thewitzard.com spelled like wizard but with a t w-i-t-z-a-r-d and uh, he's a fan of your music, and he's just recently done interviews with like Ice T and several other prominent people uh, within the music community. And he says that um, he wants to know: Do you have any immediate plans to release or to record and release another installment of your 2016 live remix tape, Blue Note Remix Volume <laughs> One? And if so, what artists would you perhaps use or work with? Uh... That's a jam, too, by the way. Yeah, that was fun. That was um recorded live in one take as well it was just you know it's you, i think the i think the immediacy kind of comes through with it it has a, mm. a, like a vibrancy and kind of there's there's a little bit of like a uh 
I'm not even. I don't even have the words to describe it. But I get. I get kind of like a. Like it just feels. It feels like something that is happening with you as you listen to it. You know, not That's something beautiful, that is man. recorded for me. Like, That's great. I like to. I like to put that on when I'm walking around Tokyo because mm -hmm. it kind of feels like it's moving with me. Word. And, and Word. all the things that I'm experiencing in real time are kind of like, oh, this drops right when that drops. You know. So yeah. But uh, to. to would well, you I mean, like me to restate this question? No, I no, I, I got it. Um, I mean, that was it was super. That was super fun, and I've thought about doing a second installment of Blue Note stuff. Um, I thought about doing an Impulse one. There is a live recording of a Herbie Hancock tribute mix, like the same kind of concept um, online, and I thought about doing a more, you know, sonically studio version of that. Um, there's one I've performed once, which is like a Rhodes, Fender Rhodes piano tribute kind of mix. So it's something I've kind of messed around with a few times live, but that was the only one I've kind of committed to release so far. But I mean, I think there'll be more of that. Um, I would like to do that super legitly through a label. Like Blue Note, we discussed doing it legitly and the red tape appeared. Mm. So I was like, well... I'm just going to make this happen anyway. Sure. <laughs> yeah, that's what you got to do sometimes. Oh, man, totally. And that's also the nature of the music, too. It's like, you know, there's something about, you know, sampling and flipping classic catalog that it's kind of nice to do it. Yeah. Not quite legitly, you know? <laughs> right, right. It is kind of like, you know, it's it, it's an outlaw type of thing. It's exactly. kind of like graffiti. It's like, you know, exactly. you, you, you got to take that risk. And if you mm. get caught, then you're the sucker, you know? But exactly. If you, that's why, yeah. And I I've, I've also thought about doing it with new jazz artists, like contemporaries. Um, that was yeah. another question I have. Like, who? Me also. Yeah. I mean, like, you've got, it seems kind of like there's a, Maybe a, a new flourishing Resurgence. of jazz music Absolutely, for the young community. Man. Kamasi Washington, Absolutely. Chris Dave, Terrace Robert Martin. Glasper, yeah. Kareem Riggins, like mm -hmm. all of these phenomenally, um, you know, hip hop artists. Some of them, mm -hmm. like, but but come from like a jazz music theory background totally. or a, as musicianship. Who who are some of the artists that you're listening to or would like to work with? I mean, you know, all those guys you mentioned are you know are peers and friends, and and you know, I feel very fortunate to have those people around um, and we all support each other and love the, the differences that each other bring which is really cool um, there's some really dope shit happening in the UK Shabaka Hutchings specifically is a sax player has a project called the um, the Sons of Kemet which is it has like a sax a tuba and two drummers and that's it <laughs> it's crazy I think I've heard of that sounds very familiar yeah his Shabaka is doing amazing work um, Moses Boyd young drummer in the UK also doing amazing work there's a whole like the the, the people talk about the LA jazz scene you know London's thing is popping in the same way right now right it's, it's crazy popping Yo, London doesn't get enough credit for their scene a lot of people go out there get some juice and then come back but <laughs> well when you first moved to London you had hooked up with like um, what is it Goldie's label you were working with well, yeah, uh, I, I, I did one joint with, for, and, with Cyclone for Metalheads and also um, uh, Dave Angel yeah, my very first session with Dave Angel, techno DJ producer. Um, but most of my time there was with the West London Broken Beat crew, Bugs in the Attic, 4Hero, IG Culture. And that whole scene was like we knew we were making music light years ahead of anything on the planet. And it, it really was. And then we started to hear that, you know, we'd hear, we'd hear through the grapevine that, you know, all the Philly cats, like, you know, James Poyser and Quest Love, they were checking us. 
we heard Pharrell was checking us, Timbaland was checking us. It was kind of the ripple effect. Like, you know, the the music was so niche as it happened where it happened in London, but it was spreading out worldwide. And to the point where, you know, I've met people now almost 20 years later where they're, you know, huge producers and they would cite some of these records as influences. So that was really cool. You know, we kind of knew it then, but to know it for real now is is very special. Yeah, like um, I mean, all of those, all of those cats, like D'Angelo and and Questlove and them. Uh, I mean, Kareem Riggins and, yeah. and Robert Glasper worked directly with you know the Dillas and mm-hmm. and them, and they're really phenomenal. Can I ask you a, a little bit of a controversial question? Feel free to duck it if you feel like it's a little bit too political. But a couple weeks back, <laughs> Robert Glasper um, reiterated what a lot of people already knew about. Or trash Lauren Hill. Hill. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any thoughts on that whole situation? Well, well, when that came to light, I kind of thought, maybe I should resubmit that invoice that she never paid. <laughs> <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> Do I have a gunshot? <laughs> I mean, you know, I had a very limited yeah. experience with her, which on a musical level was incredible. Like, you know, we spent two days. I got, I got kind of summoned to Miami to the studio and we spent two days in the studio. Tiny room, like about this kind of size. And I had an MPC 3000 and some synth bass and Rhodes and organ and stuff. And before I before the session started, I was told it's like you, know, you, you address her as Miss Hill and she doesn't touch. So no hug, no handshake, she doesn't touch. Like, cool, whatevs. So, you know, I was all set up and and she walks in, doesn't say nothing. Just picks up picks up a guitar, starts playing a song I've never heard before, like a new song. And I'm kind of running around all my stuff like a headless chicken trying to program beats and play synth bass and all this stuff, and then she'll you know, go to the chorus, but the second time she got the chorus it'll be different and all this and I'm trying to mm. I'm trying to keep with her. So, so we spent a whole day doing this and everything she did sounded incredible. I mean, her talent is undeniable. So they recorded everything. It's probably like a 12, 14 hour session. And then day two, go back in. Day two, we have our first conversation. It was just, oh. her, it was just her and I in a room this big, like kind of thing. For hours? Yes. Oh. Day two, we had the conversation. And the conversation was about the exploitation of, you know, successful black talent in the, in the, in the, in the entertainment industry. Mm. You know, I didn't ask to talk about that. That's just what came out. So I get it. You know, she's real particular. Um, her talent, I think, is just incredible. And I was grateful for those two days to be in that environment and have that experience. But it's also a job and... You know, it would that, have been nice to be compensated. The invoice never got paid, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had heard about this for quite a while. So when Robert Glasper kind of spoke very freely in a in a larger public forum for you know casual fans to pick up on it, I was just like, yeah. Well, I mean, we we've heard that for years, and um, countless yeah. like high high level, extremely talented musicians mm-hmm. have similar experiences to yours. At so. the same time. I have friends who play in a band now and they would not be doing that if it wasn't straight. So I'm, I'm not, I, I don't call a judgment on it. And I'm, honestly, I forgot about that invoice a long time ago until Robert did that. I was like, oh, that's right. Um, and I, w- I would love to see her star shine again. 
like her talent is just ridiculous yeah and, it, and there's no question that there's a lot of people who made the miseducation you know james poiser especially but other people as well involved with it who she may not have credited as much but like look at it this way miles davis had some very special bands and some of those bands would record without him for their own projects or other stuff. It wasn't the same. You take Miles out of the room, it's just a band. Mm. And, it, and it even might have been some really ill shit, but it's still not that shit. Right. And I think there's no question with someone like her that as much as everyone contributed and all that, it was about her. Sure. There's no question. Yeah, we can't remove her completely from it at all. It's, yeah. it's still her project. And, and I, her I, I don't think she ever said, for example, I don't think she ever said, James Poiser did not work on this record. Like, I don't think it was a flat-out Judas denial. It, it may have been a slightly undercredited, but I don't know, man. Well, the, the work... The work is timeless and the work still yeah. exists as one of the greatest albums to ever be created and composed. Unfortunately, a lot of the uh, you know, the components of, of that story and the history of the album are a little bit tainted now, but mm -hmm. you know, hopefully I hear that I hear that um, Maxwell was kind of a dick and a diva to work with when he was younger too, and wow. he's kind of come out of that and started to work with artists in a more um, compassionate and like uh, business with his business sense changed. Mm -hmm, and you mm -hmm. were saying earlier you were a little bit of a diva as well so maybe she just needs to grow up <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i i do i don't have any idea on it but where do you have any more questions late for uh i i did i did want to ask uh some some questions about japan like i know you primarily grew up in new zealand but you are half japanese mm -hmm. you know, i think your mother is japanese yeah. so, right um, when was the first time that you encountered Japan and its people? Like, um, I mean, the house I grew up in in New, Ze in New Zealand was very bicultural. Like, my dad lived here for 20 years, then the family moved back to New Zealand. So, it, it always had that flavor. Um, I came here for the first time when I was 10 and came here pretty much every year for summer holidays. Then I did my last year of high school here as well. Um, and not too long after that, I started touring here pretty regularly. So it's it's been a it's been there the whole time. Sure. Yeah. It's it's uh, as you called it, you know, one of your motherlands. Well, it is my only motherland. <laughs> like, yeah, is, <laughs> is your 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 father is from New Zealand? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but he, you know, he he came here for three months in 1953, and left 20 years later. That's what happened to me too. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, I mean, it hasn't been twenty years yet. But With I a mean, wife and kids, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. Beautiful, beautiful. Man. Um, what are what are some of the the things in the Japanese uh, jazz music scene that you think are different than other places that you've played? I know here they focus on like they probably start playing when they're like two and. I mean, not of that nature. some people may play later. I don't know, but um, start later. But there's a. You know, there's a very deep passion for the music and it's not just jazz it's the same with hip-hop and a lot of music where you know the japanese once they decide they like something they really go all the way and like i mean i've had i've had i've had journalists interview me here and ask me about like a record i put out in new zealand that probably did a hundred copies that doesn't exist anywhere in the world and they're like so yeah so that record blah 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 I'm like what <laughs> So you know the the the, the, the level of heads kind of deepness here is amazing, 
And the audience really responds to artistry and I think excellence and mastery and the whole the whole kind of expressive spectrum of creativity like a high appreciation for the craftsmanship of things totally so, man yeah. which you know you see that in Japan anyway like the way right. things are you know <laughs> the way bananas are individually right. wrapped to the way <laughs> whatever it might be you know yeah, there's, well, a, yeah. there's an attention to detail <laughs> we've talked about how when when a Japanese craftsman or someone you know mm-hmm. focuses on something they do it to the utmost degree yeah. until they perfect they, it they're a master yeah, yeah. exactly uh, yeah Whether i mean there's always fair. been that thing where they'll, they'll they'll be inspired by something and take take it and then do it better <laughs> yeah it's it's almost like a, a culture of people with like addictive personalities they fall into something and then mm-hmm. just like pursue it and to to its limit mm-hmm. you know perfecting yeah. it and that's why you know it might cost you 45 dollars for a mango out here because <laughs> it is flawless and beautiful so, word up. i was just gonna say that i my my last year of high school when i was here i am um, i was i was homestaying for a year and my host father he's a buddhist priest turned out he was the deepest jazz head which i found out by accident and i find it out i'm like whoa wow. so we pretty much went out to jazz clubs like every week all week more than I was at school, almost, you oh, know. Wow. So that that was life changing. You still cool. have communication with with them? Um, he he passed away, but his like my host brother, his son, he's like he's he's like my brother. I mean, we're okay. we're family. Um, but yeah, that was I was supposed to go to law school after that when I went back to New Zealand. I was like, like nah, nah, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna hit these smoky <laughs> jazz clubs and get emphysema. <laughs> Very cool, man. Very yeah, cool, man. Let's go ahead and take a little bit of a commercial break and we'll come back with our weather reports. Yes. Join us every third Tuesday of the month at 2 a.m. for the Token Jazz Hour. What up, what up? I'm Adrian Young. I'm Ali Shaheed Muhammad. And we are The Midnight Hour. And you are listening to Mega Late Show. Skirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's youngin' up in here. <laughs> you know what I mean? We gotta get that demographic. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, niggas tend to bug cause the beats are hard but gentle The kind of shit that make you crash your whip yeah. plus your mental You got it Yo, Mega Late Show, episode number 50 Oh, this is episode 50, right Late? No. no? This is not 50? No What is episode 50? The one we're gonna do Oh, okay yeah. Episode 51? No This is just episode Mark to Clive Low? No, we, it's not numbered yet, not sure Okay Yeah <laughs> <laughs> episode mark to clive low all right here we here we go we're going back into the episode we're really happy to have the super talented incredible artistry of mark to clive low chilling with us in the studio here in Ike Bukuro. he's a man of the people and he's also a man of the japanese people and we're going to talk some more about his relationship with japan and konbinis a little bit later and right now we're going to go into the weather report segment of the podcast which is where we each pick a song to play and talk about it a little bit and i think i'm going to go ahead and start with mine which is a track by the legendary bus driver and if people know bus driver is a west coast mc from los angeles who has been one of the more sing-song style vocalists uh of our time and he also works good life out of Good Life, Project Blowed. Are you familiar with uh, Bus Driver? Yeah, man. Love Absol- this shit. Absolutely. Yeah. And so the reason I picked this track today is because um, because we do a podcast for all types of listeners. I usually don't talk a lot about 
um, some of the artists that I really love. And Bus Driver's been one of my favorite artists um, for decades. He's mm. just not an artist that I usually put uh, ca more casual fans onto uh, because he's a little bit of a weirdo. He does have like weird rap style and it's unconventional. <laughs> and I think a lot of people just don't really rock with it like that. However, his newest album uh, is called Electricity is on Our Side and it came out a few months ago. There's a track on this album called, hold on, let me find it, Right Before the Miracle, which he performs with the, um, the Los Angeles, uh, I think it's a... It, four piece a quartet the underground railroad is kind of a, a famous jazz group out of los angeles who submit a lot of work and worked with freestyle fellowship way back in the mid 90s and um this joint right here is different because he's playing with a jazz band and he takes an approach of kind of like a a scatting style but when you if you know bus driver he's not just going to scat he's going to fill this with like hyper verbose word uh wizardry and whatnot so this is called right before the miracle check out the video and let's see if i can get it to come in i'll turn this up yeah bus driver are you familiar with the underground railroad mark no i'm not no? I'm not. I'm not really too sure about them as well because um, there's not a lot of information about them. But I've heard about them since Freestyle Fellowship days. And of course, for the weather reports, we'll put all the songs at the end of the podcast, so you can check them out yourself. So is this a track? of theirs that he went over or did they collab on this this is a collaboration on bus driver's new album so It doesn't sound like anything else on the album, but the album is full of jazz samples and unconventional approaches to rhyming and, and beat making. So it's something I really appreciate from Bus Driver. He has another album with uh, Daedalus, who also has a uh, jazz music theory background uh, that they did called Live Airplane Food. And that one's really good too. And that one's all freestyle. Bus Driver just freestyling on stage. And he has a really strong ability to just go off the dome and, and ride a beat. and. You know, they, um, I think it was a homie, Davu Flint, that said there's two types of MCs, ones that rap like drummers and ones that rap like horn players. Huh. And, and Bus Driver is kind of both. You know, mm -hmm. he can do it both. But since he has a sing-song style where he affects his vocal inflection and whatnot, he can fucking ride a beat like this horn. Yeah. And there's another part that comes up here that's really dope. Yeah, man, he's going full, yeah. full jazz styles. Yeah. <laughs> Breath control is amazing. It's like uh, like Al Jarreau meets John yeah. Hendrix. Yeah, he's just uh, he's he's been one of my favorite MCs for 
since maybe like 99, I just love the guy's work and every album sounds a little bit different. And, you know, he's got styles for days. He says he doesn't own a car, he owns a style. And he's <laughs> just a really phenomenal. Yeah. Also, um, the content of a lot of his music is very uh, socially conscious and aware. And, and yeah, totally. Good. The, he's a total package for me. Original, super talented, high top tier level. It, it is it is hip-hop that is high art and I think that a lot of hip-hop is not that but when it is high art like this it often doesn't get the respect that it deserves on a larger platforms and so yeah bus driver word what's the name of this track again uh, right before the miracle yeah, I was just seeing he just did it he did a show uh, last October for this with the with the band at the spot Zebulon in LA I was just looking it up online That'd be cool to catch. Yeah, man. I mean, I would love to hear him work with you if there was like a remix project or something. Like, I think there's a lot of those West Coast cats, um, especially the Freestyle Fellowship vein of guys who really latched on to jazz. Mm -hmm. Not so much for just the sound of the music, but for the kind of immediacy and the styling. And so you have a lot of unconventional rap stylers like Micah Nine, who sure. his sentences might not make full coherence, but they're using language to like motif, like catch this vibe and catch yeah. this styling. And there was such a focus on the freestyle and getting open and just coming through with this level of immediacy that the east coast wasn't doing as much there was a little bit more like this is a prepared rap but on the west coast it was like come off of the dome and uh bus driver comes from that school and that tradition of the project blowed cats who um stylers mm -hmm. stylers so yeah there we go bus driver um, and again, the tracks are all going to be at the end of the episode, so you can check that out. And I think next, should we go into yours later, Marks? Uh, maybe me. Okay, let's do it. Hold on, let me pass you that auxiliary. Um, I don't have a lot to say about this track, because I don't know a lot about the artist, but this is Why Dizzy and Salu. The track's called D-W-A. So D dot W dot A three dots. Hmm. Any idea what that means? No idea. Uh, Why Dizzy, I think, is with Yen Town or Candy Town or oh, Pedigree. Oh, it's a Japanese artist? Yeah, these hmm. guys are Japanese. And Salu is, uh, you might recognize him. He's on that JP the Wavy track. Okay. That Cho uh, Wavy De Gomenne remix. I do recognize the name a bit. And uh, it's kind of interesting because I've, I've been listening to Salu for a couple years, but I didn't know he was like on this wave of not necessarily trap, but like these. I thought he was more abstract and kind of left because mm -hmm. that's when I started kind of listening to him. He sounded a bit more like that, but he can definitely, I guess, just style. Word. Uh, this is why Dizzy right now. But when Salu comes in, like, I don't know, he... He gets this high pitch effect to his voice mm. and he just starts like, I don't know. I, I can't really understand Japanese rappers yet, but. Yeah, just, there's a lot of nuance there. It's hard to pick up even if you know the language. I, it kind of makes me appreciate the way they rhyme a bit more. Mm. And Salu mm. on this verse is like, just like, oh, that's pretty dope. Good. I haven't really yeah. heard anything like that. Yeah, I appreciate you putting me onto this because I wasn't familiar with them. And I've been trying to surround 
my listening habits with more Japanese artists. I listen to a lot of beat makers out here, right. but um, the beat makers are they're, they're largely like um, more boom bap style, or even they do the, like the lo-fi hip hop. There's a few experimental cats out here like Canopy, who's great. Um, but yeah, I wanna I wanna hear more rap that I've more rap that is not like gangster rap centric. You know where they kind of parrot the kind of gangster rap vibes and trappy stuff. But this sounds great. This is Salu's voice. Okay. Yeah, this goes, man. This is a. Uh, is this what the kids call a bopper? <laughs> is, that the, is that the new slang, a bopper? Yeah. Do you listen to many Japanese artists? Um, not a huge amount. Um. I might collaborate with people now and then and kind of get hip to different people through that. There's a singer named Emi Nekozawa who guested on a track I worked with someone else on. And I'd never heard of her. She did a dope job. So it's like, yeah, it's cool. So I started mm. checking her out. Um, I've worked a lot with the Jazzy Sport crew over the years. Word. Um, Do you know Aaron Cholai? He's no. also, uh, he's he's from uh, Papua New Guinea, but okay. he's kind of like a, a young prodigy type of uh, jazz uh, uh, composer, uh-huh. and we've had him on the show. We were going to invite him, but this kind of came up very quickly. Right. He he also, uh, he's he writes and composes, and he's got like a new project coming out with Kojo, the rapper, uh-huh. out here, and they're doing like the creation, the Shinto creation story. Wow. He's going to rap, and he's composing Sick. for a huge joint. You should check him out. His music is, you. The, I mean... High-level artistry, yeah, just a yeah, very yeah. talented music composer. Oh. Yeah, so uh, you mentioned Jazzy Sport, and I know he's closely affiliated with right. like Buddha Monk and them. So uh-huh. I thought maybe. Yeah, he put yeah. out an album with Buddha this year, last yeah. year. He's actually in town touring right now with Daiichi Yamamoto on their new uh, project that they did. Oh, huh. uh, yeah, it's really good. Cool. Just found out about that this morning as well. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. all right. All right. Well, yeah, yeah this I'm is done. good. This is great. That's a Y Dizzy featuring Salu, and the track is DWA. Thank you. Thank you for sharing, man. I got to fix all that stuff. Yeah, and let's go ahead and uh, go into yours, Mark. Uh, What do you have in store for us today? I am going to share a joint by No Name. Oh, that's the second No Name share in in, in, In a a week. week. Really? It's a great album, man. I mean, she's she's special, man. I mean, I don't don't know a lot about her, but when I heard Telephone, the the first record, straight away, I was like, yeah, this is like, it reminded me a lot of what I love about Bahamadia. Um, Yes. But. But with a different, a softer edge, but still yeah, is and, and kind more, of like more, more spoken word yeah. and stuff. And so I want to share this joint um, prayer song. Yeah. But yeah, I love what she's doing, man. She's actually been getting a lot of praise from a lot of people that I respect. Mark DeClivelo, Mega Ran, and Ali Shahid Mohammed just mentioned her mm-hmm. when he was on our podcast too. And I think that she's just a phenomenally talented artist and i was seeing uh on twitter the other day she was a little bit disappointed with like the fandom and the and not not with her fans but the way that music is digested nowadays where people are really into something for 24 hours a week and then it you know they're on to the next yeah, project yeah and that's not how i came up listening to music like we put an album on and it might not leave the cd player for months to really digest it and Mm -hmm. i think with an artist like her 
it takes more than a week to unpackage what's going on in this music. It's just really... Yeah, this has been on repeat for me the last week since it came out. She's a styler too. Mm-hmm. Multiple different rhyme schemes, flows, cadences. Like, what is it that stands out in this track to you? You loving those those drums and? I mean, I like I like that she you know, she works with live musicians. There's a lot of gospel and jazz influence from the production side and the and the music side. I love that she's saying shit of consequence. Like, I mean, I can enjoy some really dumb shit for a minute, but yeah, they're not yeah. saying nothing. Yeah. I mean, they're really not saying, and and therefore, beyond a little bit of escapism, they're not actually contributing to the to the culture or mm-hmm. humanity. Mm-hmm. And I see her as someone who, through hip hop, is contributing to humanity. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I like McDonald's every once in a while too, but that's not a meal that I want to use to sustain me. And that's kind of no. how I feel about some of the, as you said, like some of the dumber shit. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is great for it's, me yeah, right fun. now. Yeah. And I enjoy it for this, but mm-hmm. like, I, I can't sustain myself off of that. This is not a meal for me. Mm-hmm. Listening to this, man, you're getting, you're getting a multi-course meal, you know, you're yeah. getting, you're getting everything to, to satisfy like every little itch you have, that salt, that sweet, mm-hmm. that, you know, that savory palate. Like everything is here on, on her, and um, I I would love to see her just be as successful as she wants to be because I think the artistry is there. You know, all it would take because of the world we live in is for Chance or Kendrick or Drake to co-sign her, and then everyone would think she's amazing. Well, I think she. You know, well, she had an early chance co-sign. Yeah. She uh she appeared on Acid Rap. And maybe she was uh, on right, his first mixtape right. too, Col- but I don't I don't know how close they yeah. still are. But I, I I don't know much about her, but I also don't know if that's what she wants. You know what I mean? Because I seem to remember huh. a lot of people were like, "Oh, she's gonna blow, she's gonna blow." Like her tours was selling out, yeah. and then it was like it just got really quiet with yeah. her. So I don't know exactly what her aspirations are. You can never tell nowadays, but man. Just like Mega was saying and you bringing her up now, she's very not just popular, but like what's the word I'm looking for? Right now she's an artist other artists are watching. Yeah, yeah. she's legit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. 5 years from now you're going to be hearing other rappers doing what she's doing right now cuz she's just or not because yeah. they won't be able to. Oh, you know. Word, word, <laughs> actually is, word. They're going unique. to be parodying it and trying to mm. try to do it, but man, she is definitely just an outstanding artist. But yeah, I would I'd be very happy for more people to hear her and you know, outside of the heads. I, yeah. I think yeah. that's what she was saying. She was just kind of frustrated that we're getting uh, you know, these kind of major uh, hip hop publications and in, in and you know cultural hubs they're more interested in talking about little zan overdosing on hot cheetos than they are about like really um you know talking about people who are making really incredible art like i haven't seen any articles on the new rock marciano album or uh, really about no names album or there's nothing about the midnight hour you know like it's just it's strange rock 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 is good too I'm a I'm a huge fan. Yeah, I'm a huge fan. It, but you know, I was I was telling um, Mega Ran that listening to the new Ka record, the new Rock Marciano, um, mm-hmm. Arm and Hammer, and all these kind of uh, dirty East Coast, um, dirty East Coast rap grimy joints like listening to the new No Name was mm-hmm. like a breath of fresh air. It was like the yeah. sun came out again. And yeah. 
yeah man just i rock with it 100 percent. you know it's funny like i with the you know our kids are into all the dumb shit and so yeah i kind of enjoy that it's like i get to hear i'm at that point now it's like okay well play me something like and i can hear what the you know what yeah. what are you all into and how old is your son now uh 15 oh and then um my stepson the younger one is, is 12 oh yeah so they're You've really got a posse they're really yeah. sort of jazz who's, trio who's your favorite who's your son's favorite mc at 15 um he's he's really all about the the, the mainstream like the you know the he, he loves migos and mm. Lil Uzi vert um he loves the, the travis record Okay. I, I heard yeah. that the tra- the new Travis record is kind of like the new Sonic standard. A lot of people Mike like Dean it. was saying that like they were able to like boost like it registers at a higher decibel than previously oh possible who, before. Who it's cares? Like super clean. Like, who cares? Just, <laughs> I don't just, listen to it. Just but, turn the know. volume knob up. <laughs> right. But you know what? The, the record is good. Right. I mean, I, I I like what he does, especially from the perspective of that he produces a lot of his own stuff. Mm. I mean, Travis is one of those guys that you know kind of set the sound for now like yep kanye kind of latched onto that around uh cruel summer Mm -hmm. and that's kind of been the sound ever since Mm -hmm. then yeah yeah man like uh you know the same the the same way that the chronic was like the sonic standard for a minute yeah like i think that's what people were saying about this and i don't know i haven't done the research nor does my ear my ear is not finely tuned enough to really notice these type of nuances but you know whatever i don't download in flack either so (laughs) word up word man um i guess we got one or two more questions for uh mark de before we get out of here the unchanging is what i've been called them now this is something that is of tremendous important to uh, importance to late and i and it's kind of ruined friendships in the past and it's it's a very it's a very difficult thing for us it's a little testy now in japan konbinis are ubiquitous every cream yes now we have a Mary fuck kill rating for the three largest convenience here. Who would you oh. marry? Who would you fuck? And which one would you just get completely out of here? Oh. Family Mart, Lawson's, and 7-Eleven. Now I'm very interested in his answer. I think it holds a little bit more weight than a lot of people, <laughs> seeing that he's half Japanese and he's such a notable artist. He he probably has extraordinary taste. My fingers are crossed that your your list is exactly <laughs> like mine, because me and late we've gone back and forth quite a bit. Okay. 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 Um, wait. So Family Mart, Lawson, and Seven Eleven. Yes. Mary okay. Fuck kill. I would kill Seven <clears> Eleven. <throat> you're on the right track. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to influence you, but you're right. I would fuck Family Mart and Mary Lawson. Mm. Here it is. <laughs> All right. The definitive right. answer. An- another person. All right. The- I, I don't mind that so much. I don't mind it so much. I'm a Family Mart kind of guy. Yeah, can know, can you qualify that for yeah. us? A I bit? mean, Lawson just their presentation is better. You know, so if you know, in the long haul on the marriage, like they're gonna they're gonna stand the test of time. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Family Mart just doesn't quite have that presentation down. Mm, you know. Okay. It's, th- it's funny how like people's answers are almost always something for something different. Yeah. It's never <laughs> just says- about the food mm-hmm. or never just about whatever i mean yeah. I, I i wouldn't go into i very rarely go into a 7-eleven for food yeah like i go in there for like i need some water or something that's like so mm. reliable but but yeah 
we had a person trying to tell us that the the 7-Eleven chicken was superior to the Family Mart chicken. And I was like, I'm not going to say nothing right now because you're a guest on the podcast, but I hate that. And you know what? 7-Eleven loses points too because it's tarnished guilt by association with 7-Eleven in, in America. Mm, that's true. I okay. mean, have you ever seen chick, like fried chicken in a 7-Eleven in America? Yeah. I mean, that's... You don't want, that's that. Yeah. <laughs> you don't no. want that. And, and then some of the better things that they have at 7-Eleven America, they don't have here. Where's the Slurpee machine? Sometimes I might want to drink some like sugar syrup ice. We need that sometimes. You best watch your weight there, boy. <laughs> Yo, I'm in full dad bod mode right now, so I'm just going to keep it at that. And, and with that said, do we have an, another? Oh, favorite member of the Wu-Tang Clan. Oh, man. There's no wrong answer here. There's no yeah, we, we don't well, judge I mean, these if answers. You, if yeah. you were like, Kanye West, that's a wrong answer because he's not a member of the Wu-Tang Clan. But if you pick a member, like it's pretty good all around. ODB. Thank you. Yeah. yeah he's a man, too. He might be the highest ranking of favorites. It's him, Ghost. Him or ghost. ghost. Yeah, yeah. Him or ghost. I mean, from, if I was going to call a second, it would be RZA. Okay. Yeah. Just. I mean, we've got almost every member named. I think yeah. even Capadonna got named. Yeah. Wow. Polly Poly Rhymes named Capadonna. Yeah. Oh. I mean, I like Capadonna a lot. Of really course, unconventional yeah. style. Mm, yeah, I think everybody has been named. Yeah, good. Except for... <laughs> Yeah, anyways. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna. Yeah. But straight up, man, uh, Mark Clivelo, we want to really thank you for coming out. Can thank you, you. Can you tell us about your new projects that are oh, upcoming? Can I ask one more question? Sure. When you walk into a room <laughs> Shit. Mm, yeah. or down a wrestling ramp into an MMA fight, boxing match, what is your theme music? Oh. Oh. Pick any of those, you know, venues. Like if you walk yeah, into right, a jazz right, club, like what, right. what music do people hear behind you? Yeah. Um, Whoop, there it is. <laughs> this is how we do it. <laughs> yeah. Man. That is a tough one, but it's probably Fight the Power. Nice. That's a good answer. I like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you take that into an MMA I mean, match, and, and, and the way that the way the intro kind of builds and stuff. Yeah. There we go. There we go. Mark DeClavelo comes out from you know the on the arena, comes through <laughs> with the parachute, rises up with the piano. Right. right. The cage closes in around the victim. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Mark DeClavelo. Oh yes, but please tell us about. You said you have two potentially two albums coming Man, out next there's, year. There's so much music coming next year, but my own project um, is a double album called heritage coming out in first part in january second part in march which is it's a deep dive and homage into my japanese heritage like i compose music heavily influenced by the traditional cultural music here and folk music and and influenced by stories i grew up hearing like the you know like fairy tales and stuff um and shintoism and buddhism so it's all kind of wrapped in this two album project so it's called heritage and then the Ronin Orchestra, the new project with the Japanese cats, is going to drop in the spring as well. Dope. Yeah. Super excited to see you back here in Japan, and hopefully uh, I'll be able to check out a show 
this next time you come out please man. do man we really yeah. we really uh love and appreciate your artwork and we wish you all the best and continue to make really dope jams for us mark to clive low thank yes, you indeed man. thank up. you both you want to give any shout outs uh before you take off shout out to john robinson by the way shout That's out to jr more, his new podcast is really informative and dope too oh, i didn't know you had a podcast it's like Wait. a really short little thing and oh he yeah just, he's dropping jewels everything is like this is how you handle your social media stuff um, he yeah. only drops jewels yeah, that's true <laughs> shout out to john robinson yeah so. man oh shout out to elo kush also indeed he indeed. gave us a shout on insta recently Absolutely. that's our guy and yeah. yeah i gotta shout out all the ronnie narcastra cats i just spent a week in studio with these guys and amazing musicians you know japan has some absolutely great talent peace yeah oh yeah looking forward to everything yeah, thank man. you man word up mega show episode unknown mark to clive low 29 all right yo peace yo what up hey thank you for listening to that episode mark to clive low uh, it was wonderful, and we recorded that a few weeks ago, maybe like two weeks ago, before the Marley Mall episode and before our 50th episode. So, I am going to let you know what the weather forecast is now, as Leight and I tried to record it together over the phone, and we could not get it to sound dope. So, here we go with the weather forecast, which is where we let you know all the dope shows that are coming up and let's go ahead and start with the 19th on the 19th we have mix nuts 2 at sound museum vision which is going to feature uh, los angeles mc buddy whose album this year was very well and also his joint with katranata earlier in the year was dope we are going to have bim from the otogo otogi banachis uh muro is going to be there yuki beb a lot of people actually are going to be there so definitely check out the calendar in regards to that also on the 20th we have uh isugi the rapper's album release for the story of seven ink tree tree and chamber release party at club asia on saturday that's going to be 3,000 yen and you'll be able to check out Ilsugi, the beat maker Buddha Monk, Kojo, Bess, and Aru2 rocking there, and that should be super dope as well. Also, on the 21st, there is going to be a show at Harlem called Hip Hop DNA The Live Volume 1, which features rapper Juice World, who um, had a really good album this year, according to Pitchfork and several other people. So, check that out, and that's actually going to be free. You may see Leighton I there frolicking to juice world music which is pretty decent in my opinion next on the 23rd at ensof we're going to have a show with uh it's called under Dig digit digic with a c uh with kokomura who is super dope and dj hero um kokomura makes like he is an electronic music DJ who is super phenomenal and his DJ setup is incredible and mind-blowing and their music is really good. So that is going to be there. And I think Late said that he is also going to be DJing there. So check that out. That's very cheap for 100 yen. And you also get, excuse me, not 100 yen, 1000 yen. And you also get a free drink with that. Following up on the 23rd, we will also have an in-store record show at Face Records in Shibuya from Do, the Japanese producer, and that's Do with four O's. 
He's also going to be there with Flow Fills, and he is a really dope producer. And you can check that out. Since it's an in-store, I'm guessing it is going to be free. So follow that. And then on the 26th, when we release our episode with AA Rock, we are also going to have Slow Lights, which takes place at Heavy Six Zero. Slow Lights is always going to have really dope beat makers there. So check that out. That happens quite frequently. And also, since it's the last Friday of the month, we're going to have vibes at Harry's Sandwich Company in Harajuku, which is going to be super dope. And thank you for listening to these uh, things coming in through my phone right now. Wonderful. But yeah, uh, Late's going to be at Harry's playing a lot of dope music. And I think it's just open format. So you can listen to everything from, I don't know, Amish Electronica to, I don't know. Anything that you want to hear, Late decides to play. So word up to that and word up to Late. That's a very cool little thing going on there. On the 27th, there's a show that we are going to be involved in, live streaming. And that takes place at Batica and Ebisu. It is called Island Vibes. And it's going to be a dancehall, Afrobeat, world music with hip-hop, R&B sprinkled in there as well. The special guest DJ is Sean G from Los Angeles, who Late has interviewed for the podcast before with a quick little Kiowa type of episode. On that, we have a very strong lineup of DJs, including Koji Nakamura, Kensuke, I Am Jesse, who runs the whole jam, Brooklyn Terry, Kingston 19, Error, we've got Watarai, Soldier, Part 2 Style, MC Wise is going to be MCing the whole thing and letting you guys know what's happening as it's happening, and also Prophet 21, aka King Rose. We're going to have some sexy reggae dancers, Sanae and Chiaki are going to be there, and then also on the Ones and Foods is going to be MC Tarantula, giving you doubles with rice and peas and etc. Also some Jamaican coffee that takes place from 10.30 to 5.30 a.m., and you can also so check out the live stream on the Mega Late Show Facebook joint, maybe Twitter, I don't know, but pay attention and you can check that out. On the 28th, we are going to be having Speakeasy at the Tokyo Dome, and that is going to be a roller skate Halloween event, which is super good. And that is at the Tokyo Dome Roller Skate Arena in Bunkyoku. It's going to be, this one's not actually free, it's going to be 2,000 yen with your bowling shoes and five dollars per bowling game if you want to bowl um well maybe it is free to roller skate i don't know know, but you know figure it out it's really dope make sure to rsvp and on that um shory bradshaw is going to be djing shingo nishiki is going to be the guest roller skater and i'm sure he will that person will have tremendously dope moves dj daruma brooklyn terry and late L is going to be there, Oren, and that should be very fun and interesting. Also on, I want to let you know that Smooth as Eggs is finished at the Blue Jam Cafe in Zabu Juban, but starting on November 9th, Friday, Echo Out is going to be going down, and I believe that is late and perhaps even Akira. So, wonderful. Check that out. Mega Late Show 2018. Lots of events. Lots of dope guests. We are the best. Uh, thank you for listening. Wu-Tang Forever. Mega Late Show Forever as well. And also other things forever. Wonderful. Goodbye. If you're fake news. If you're fake news. If you're fake news. If you're fake news. If you're fake news.
swept Like the queen in her character good That that does not belong yet Cause you're a testament to God Shaking these guys and though there's no thunder left Beam low Keeping on the reels outside of the bow house The lifeblood is flowing in veins of that go-route I am calling out your name I'm calling to tell you that the songs are And if you make a plan, we can take all the lands and the dreams and never ever have a soul of us. Now we make the a new world and it is over here and that is your own bus. I am calling out your name, so just answer me. I want you, my dream. Like they wish it in every character, oh, 
but life's blood is flowing in veins of that toll out. I am calling out your name. I am calling to tell you that it's all sars And if you make a plan, we can take all the land and the trees that they ever have was stolen from us. Yeah, we make the new world that it is over here and that is your own bus. I am calling out your name, so just answer me. I want you to find me. Mamma mia. 
attention for all my people is hugging this on the table. If you wanna help me, to put me inside the cuffs, put the cigarette in my back, keep the hospitals over. Run, 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 chicken little. How my city gonna run off shits and giggles? Politician overzealous with the provolone ish, bibbles and incidentals to crash the rental with God and temple and Bible. Don't nobody got no holy, everybody got an iPhone. If you wanna help me, then kiss me and fuck me good, good, good tonight. And go with tonight. LA be bright, but still a dark city. Say, come get your happy and your new titties. Say, go find your doctor, you could get Kimmy. So, the how we used to love you. America the Great is grateful dead and life for me. Apple pie on Sunday morning, obesity and heart disease. Can you hear the freedom bells? Can you see the western nails? Chip the waiter on the coffin. Approach with caution, hallelujah, amen, amen. I was lost for thinking I was truly free. Darkness lingers in the wake of slavery. Hold me close, don't let me fall into the deep. The lost have risen, a new religion. Hallelujah, amen, amen. Send myself on on a dash, could just force a gun. I ain't seen a toddler in the back after firing seven shots. A demon about to get me, he watching me kill his mom. The hood is over flooded, these niggas is on the rise. Bake a cake with flour, it's better than ginger fine. Why oh why my dick getting bigger? This violence turn me on, me on. My mama finally seen my baby on channel two. She let me better when I be keeping the streets clean. Why oh why my house getting bigger? Corruption turn me on. Ain't no police locking up these niggas better than me. And my wife think I look like a man. I feel manly. I tell Stanley, when you grow up, you gon' be like your dad. A free man in the land of the noose They ain't tell me how to crotch his shoe I did, they only taught me how to check her pulse She did, when I went to psych professional Trying to find me a therapist They taught me how to say amen, amen America the Great is grateful dead and life for me Apple pie on Sunday morning Obesity and heart disease Can you hear the freedom bells? Can you see the rusty bells? Chip chip away at all the coffins Approach precaution, hallelujah, amen, amen I was lost in thinking I was truly free Darkness lingers in the wake of slavery Hold me close, don't let me fall into the deep The lost and prison, a new religion, hallelujah, amen, amen Thank you.